Welcome to At the Crossroads Church weekly podcast. Our hope is that you will grow in your walk with God and be blessed and encouraged in your daily lives as you listen. You can visit us at our website at atthecrossroads.ca. God is good. Why don't we stand? We're going to open in prayer and then we're going to dig into the word together. I know his word is rich, brings life. Amen. So, Father, we thank you for your word today, God. We ask that you would speak to our hearts, that you would change our lives, that you would challenge us to the next level, and we bless you and thank you for it. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. You may be seated. Good stuff. Well, this morning, I want to follow up a little bit from where Pastor Sandra was last week. How many enjoyed last Sunday? Wasn't that good? I was following online, and she preached a message called Living on Purpose, Living on Purpose. And so today I want to follow through with a second message called Working on Purpose. Working on Purpose. And so we're going to dig into the Scripture. You know, John chapter 4, verse 35 says this, Do you not say, there are still four months and then comes the harvest? Behold, I say to you, lift your eyes and look at the fields, for they're already white with harvest. And I felt this, uh, this week, it was on a Tuesday morning as the Lord brought this to my, my uh, memory, this verse. I felt the Lord was impressing on me that this is a verse for today. We need to realize, you know, we hear so many sermons about the harvest is coming, get ready, the harvest is coming. I'm here to tell you today we have to lift our heads because the harvest is here. The time for harvest is now. There's a hunger and there's a desire to know God and it's starting to rise. It's harvest time and we need to be ready as a church. And so this message is really a discerning the seasons message. How many know it's good to discern the season that we're in? And so I want to talk uh, this morning on John chapter 4, verse 3 to 4. It has to do with the woman at the well. The woman at the well. Very important and very common passage. But I felt the Lord brought some fresh revelation to me this week I want to share with you. So John chapter 4, verse 3 to 4. Jesus left Judea and departed again to Galilee. But he needed to go through Samaria. I want you to say he needed to go through Samaria. Now, he didn't need to go through Samaria because the Jews, what they did was they traveled around Samaria because they didn't want to confront, they didn't want to deal with the problem people of the Samaritans. They didn't like the Samaritans. They had reason for it, and they wanted to avoid any kind of conflict, and they wanted to stay away from the Samaritans. And so the disciples that were with Jesus were really excited about getting him around Samaria to Galilee so he could preach to the Jews, do his miracles, and expand his kingdom. And they were excited about this, but how many know God had an appointment in Samaria that Jesus had to get to? And so they were trying to get to the place of their harvest, which was in Galilee, but they had an appointment in the go-through. And, and here's the thing. Sometimes we do as well. We, we don't want to go through the problem. We don't want to deal with certain people because they're a problem to us. They cause emotional stress or trauma, and we just don't want to deal with these people. We want to go around, and we want to fulfill our destiny. But I'm here to tell you that there is an appointment sometimes, and when we're passing through, what we see is a problem, Right? And so we're going to go through things in life, and we say, oh, this is terrible, I have to go through this. But maybe God has an appointment for you in the go-through. And and this is what was happening with Jesus. And so the Samaritans were an outcast, according to the Jews. See, basically what happened, if you go back to uh, 2 Kings, you'll see that um, 
the, the Samaritans were a mixed race that were a result of the Assyrians who came in and conquered the people, conquered the Jews. They conquered the king of Israel, and they conquered, and the Assyrians moved in, and the Jews left, and some of the Jews stayed, and they married the Assyrians. Now, the problem with that is the Assyrians worship false gods, and, they, and, and so the Jews said, okay, we'll worship our Lord, but we'll also worship false gods. So there was a mixture that took place. And so the Jews wanted nothing to do with it. Now, the Jews would interact and share commerce with the Samaritans, but would not share eating or drinking vessels. They would not uh, connect with them on social levels. And so, so the disciples saw a problem in the Samaritans, but Jesus saw a possibility. So Jesus said, there's possibility here. I'm going to go through, and we're going to reach these people because they're part of God's plan, right? And I want to say this morning, sometimes... There's a God appointment in the going through the problem. As you're going through problems, as you're facing things you'd rather go around, God has an appointment for you in that process. So we're going to look at some scriptures here. John chapter 4, verse 5 to 7. So he came to the city of Samaria, which is called Sakar, near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there, and Jesus therefore, being wearied from his journey, sat thus by the well... It was about the sixth hour. Now, this is very important. A woman of Samaria came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. Now, Jesus needed to go through Samaria because he had an appointment with a person. Sometimes God will bring you through situations that you don't want to go through because you have an appointment with a person that will change the course of your life. And Jesus had an appointment with this broken woman, all right, who had a tainted past, but God wanted Jesus to meet with her. See, the Middle East, the custom is what we call beat the heat. So they would go, the women and the, and the servants would go to the well early in the morning before the noon heat because it gets very hot in the Middle East. How many have been to the Middle East? It gets very hot. So they want to get there before the sun is at its peak. So the women would meet at the well, and this was the social networking place where they would come together, and they would talk, and they would, they would have conversations like we do on Facebook. There was all this interaction going on, right? And, and the women would talk. And this woman here decided to go during the heat of the day because she wanted to avoid the shaming that was coming from other women because of her background. This woman scheduled her day to avoid her pain. And this is what people are doing today. They schedule their day to avoid their pain. I'm going to make sure I'm not around these people. I'm going to avoid this situation. I'm going to go around Samaria because I want to get to my destiny. But I'm here to tell you that sometimes God has an appointment in the passing through. And so Jesus, you know, is going through and he's going to talk with this woman. And she shows up at noon hour in the heat of the day. And, you know, shame causes you to hide, you know. Even in the first story in the Bible where Adam and Eve sinned, God came and said, Adam, where are you? And Adam said, I was, I, I'm ashamed, I'm afraid, so I hid myself. This woman was hiding herself from certain people to avoid pain and to avoid shaming. And we do that in life. Some people avoid going to church because they don't want to meet certain people or deal with a certain conviction. I want to go around the problem. But listen, God has an appointment in the going through. And so this woman comes at noon and this is her hiding place. I'm just going to come when no one's around. But listen, Jesus met her in her hiding. 
and Jesus will meet you in your hiding. You can be away. And I was at a place where I was hiding from God, and I was down in my room, and I was depressed, and I cried out to God. He changed my life. He changed me, and it was in my hiding. See, God will go after you when everyone else is leaving you alone. Isn't that good news? Jesus decided to meet her in her hiding, and Jesus will meet you in your hiding if he has to. And we read through this whole beautiful passage. Many know in in John chapter 4 that the woman, she meets him at the well, and uh, Jesus is tired from his journey. And she, he basically meets her there and asks her, can, can you give me a drink? She can't believe that. Why is a Jew speaking to me? He's a Jew and I'm a Samaritan. He's a man. I'm a woman. Why is he talking to me? It's because he cared about her pain and he wanted to reach her where she was at because she was an appointment for him. And then, of course, he offered her living water and he read her mail. You know the story. He came and said, you know, why don't you go and get your husband? And she said, I don't have a husband. He goes, you're right. You had five and now the one you're living with is not your husband. And so she's like, man, you're a prophet. And then she starts talking, and she's engaging with Jesus. And, and, and she goes, I know when the Messiah comes, he'll tell us of all things. And he, he goes, I'm the one. I'm the Messiah. And she just, she just lights up, and something changes in her. And this is where we're going to pick up our story in John chapter 4, of verse 27. And at this point, the disciples came back, and they marveled that he talked with a woman. Yet no one said, what do you seek or where are you, why are you talking with her? The woman then left her water pot, went her way to the city, and said to the men. I find this very interesting that she approached the men. She didn't go to the women because obviously she said it, there's issues there. But she goes to the men and look what she says. Come and see a man who told me all that I ever did. Could this be the Christ? And then they went out of the city and they came to him. And in the meantime, the disciples urged him, saying, Rabbi, eat. See, they just came back. But he said to them, I have food to eat, which you do not know of. And therefore, the disciples said to one another, has someone brought him something to drink, uh, something to eat? And so basically, they're coming back from town, and they're like, you know, they're like, you know Jesus, we got, we got some extra Whoppers with cheese. And we even got bacon on it. But you're Jewish, so I'll give that to the Samaritan. No. The, do you want a cheeseburger? Do you uh, bacon? You know, whopper with cheese. Jesus is like, no, no, I have food. And Peter looks at John and says, "Hold on, did, did, were those tacos gone last night? Where did he get the food? Like, what's going on? Who fed him?" And Jesus was actually, <laughs> Jesus was trying to give them a spiritual, uh, a principle, and that is this: What is the purpose of food? Food really brings nourishment. It brings energy. It brings us a feeling of contentment. And when you're hungry, it's hard to find strength and the ability, the ability to focus. You know, when I was working in the window industry, had my own business, I had these two guys working with me who were always like, we don't need lunch. Let's just work. Let's get the job done and go home early. And, of course, I'm the boss, so I'm like, yeah, let's be tough. And, you know, I won't eat lunch either. And so we would just work through the day. The problem is we'd get around 2 o'clock in the afternoon, and someone would break a window or... Someone would almost fall off a ladder into the bushes or scratch the glass or something. And I started realizing that these guys don't have the energy. So I said, guys, listen, if you're working for me, we're sitting down and having lunch. I don't care if you don't eat. We're going to rest. We're going to take a break. And because it was costing me money to let them go hungry. And so 
we need to eat because it brings energy and it brings this feeling of contentment, right? And so uh, it's important. Now, verse 34, okay, Jesus says, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to establish his work. So in other words, he's saying, when I do God's will, okay, and what God's will for you is this, that you work towards your purpose. When you're working towards your purpose, it brings a sense of emotional uh, uh, strength. It brings, it brings energy. It brings, uh, it brings uh, just a good completeness. How many know what I'm talking about? When we're working, it actually makes us feel really good about ourselves. All right? So we need to work on purpose because it creates a sense of emotional wholeness. Okay? And I remember when I was in the window industry, I'd go in the morning and we'd look at the windows and they'd be like broken wood, and there's fog between the glass, and it needs painting. And I'm like, it doesn't look very good. And the homeowner's like, yeah, I hope it looks better when you're done. And two days later, he'd come out. I'd take the owner out, and he'd look, and he goes, man, my house looks awesome. And I'd be like, yes, thank you very much, right? I'd say to the boy, hey, guys, you know, we finished early. Take the rest of the day off. And I'd go home with a sense of contentment in my soul because I've done a good job. I've worked towards my purpose, and it feels really good. It's good to work, guys, and it brings a sense of contentment when you're working on purpose. And Jesus says, when I work on purpose and I'm fulfilling God's will, then I feel full on the inside. I don't need food. I need to be filled. How many hear what I'm saying? Okay? And so we need to work on purpose. Working hard creates emotional contentment. And God has designed us to assimilate information, then to process it into our purpose. All right? So I know, guys, I had a friend who was into professional bodybuilding, and I would sit with him, and he would eat like 5,000 calories a day. He'd have like six bowls of chili and chicken. I was like, what are you doing? And he'd just eat and eat. And then he'd go to the gym for four hours, and he was like competitive. And I was like, if I ate that much, and then I didn't process it, guess what I'd look like? 600 pounds, right? You have to take in to give out. And there's a sense of contentment. In Proverbs chapter 13, verse 4. The soul of a lazy man desires. Remember, the soul is the mind, the emotion, and will. And has nothing, but the soul of the diligent shall be made rich. In Proverbs 13, verse 4. Lazy men want much, but get little. But those who work hard will prosper. You know, let me give you an example. I think this is a good one. As a little child, somebody might have a desire. Say a little girl has a desire to be a doctor. I want to practice medicine because I want to help people, Mommy. I want to help people who are sick, Daddy. And this passion comes up. People say, I don't know what my purpose is. Your purpose is attached to your passion. So if you've lost passion, you just say, God, revive my passion. And so this little girl has a passion. I want to, be, I want to help people, Daddy. I, I want to be a doctor. I want to sew up people. I want to help them. And so what happens is after high school, that, that working on purpose, there's so much purpose there, they're willing to work extra hard and do 10 or 15 extra years of education for the purpose of practicing medicine at the end. It's what drives you. But if that little girl is told after 15 years of, pract- of going to school, you've got to spend another 30 years taking education, what would happen? 
discouragement would come in because she wants to practice. And so she's working towards purpose, but then the purpose, you just keep working, working, working. Why do we do it as believers? How can we come to church week after week after week after week and just assimilate and assimilate and assimilate and assimilate and then not practice? And God is saying, this is a season, a time where I'm calling my people to take what you've assimilated and practice and get out and do something. There's a purpose for your life. And God wants to use us in this season of harvest. The Bible, so how many sermons do you have to hear about healing the sick? Go lay your hands on somebody. How many times do you have to hear sermons about, you know, sowing and reaping? Go and give some money to somebody. Work it out. God wants us to get this in our hearts. You're not designed, by the way, to binge watch Netflix for 10 hours. I know some of us have done it, right? Like, I mean, because you're sitting there and you're watching the whole series. You're like, I'm just going to binge watch. got nothing to do. And you get four or five hours in and you're like, oh, you start to feel lethargic. And then you get upset because you realize how corny, you know, and how bad the directing is of the whole thing. And you're like, man, I'm wasting my life. How many can hear what I'm saying, right? You're watching someone else's life unfold poorly when you could be living your own. And, and God hasn't designed us to do that. He designed us to work on purpose. Say, work on purpose. Now, what are we designed for? We're designed to connect with people. That's what we need to work on. See, Jesus had to connect with the right person. Part of God's will for your life is just to be at the right place at the right time. Because relationships will open or close doors to your destiny. I love this verse in Proverbs chapter 22, verse 29. Do you see a man who excels in his work? He will stand before kings. He will not stand before unknown men. And Jesus had an appointment that opened a door to the Samaritans. John chapter 4, verse 28 to 30. The woman then left her water pot, went her way into the city, and said to the men, Come and see a man who told me everything that I ever did. Could this be the Christ? And then they went out of the city and they came to him. And so her purpose was to be at the right place at the right time. And guys, that's many times why it's so important that we continue to connect with new people. Because the people you connect with could be the doorway to your destiny and your purpose. When I see people come into this church for the first time, as a pastor, I know the scripture. And it says that no one comes to the Father unless the Holy Spirit draws them. So if you've walked into this place, it's not an accident. The Holy Spirit has drawn you in here. So it's my responsibility as a pastor to be suspicious of you being in this building, not in a negative way, being suspicious of, hey, God, what are you up to? You're setting up an appointment for that person. You're setting up an appointment for me because we're all part of a puzzle and we all work together for the purposes of God, right? And her purpose was to be in the right place. How many have heard the old saying, life is just a series of decisions? How many has heard that? Like I'm here to tell you today, life is more of a series of connecting with people. It's a series of connections more than it is a series of decisions, right? It's not who you know. It's not what you know, it's who you know. How many have heard that one, right? Um, this woman was no scholar. 
She didn't, she didn't know the Bible. She, she left there excited because she had met someone, and she ran into the city, and she said to all the people, hey, listen, I, I met someone who told me everything that I ever did. Could this be the Christ? Come, let's go meet him. And they were like, okay, she's not a scholar. She doesn't know much, but I can see from the twinkle in her eyes, the dance in her step, the joy in her face that she just met someone. Let's go check it out. And so many people are like, I can't do anything for God. I don't know enough. This woman knew nothing, but she knew somebody. Can I hear an amen? Everyone in this place, we should, we know somebody, we know Jesus, and people should say, hey, listen, let's go check out Jesus, because we can see that you know somebody. All right? Now, it's not always what you know, it's who you know. Let me give you an example. There's two students applying for college, college enrollment, and there's only one spot left in the class. So one student has a 95% grade average. The other student has an 85% grade average. However, the one with the lower grade average is best friends with the dean of students' father, a dean of students' son. Who do you think is going to get the position? The one who's connected in relationship. And that's the way it works in the kingdom. God wants you to connect with certain people because he has a plan for your life. And if you miss those connection points, you can miss your purpose. Let me give you another example. You know, 22 years ago, my wife and I, uh, we were living in Oshawa, and the Lord called us to move out here. So I was not making a lot of money. We moved out here. We started the church. I think I was making $13 an hour. I was working three days a week. So I went to the bank, and I said, uh, can you give me a mortgage? They laughed at me. Would you believe it? We're not giving you a mortgage. We're not touching you with a 10-foot pole. So we went bank to bank to bank. We couldn't. We couldn't get a mortgage. Um, but let me go back a few years before we even came here. I was actually youth pastoring, and uh, there's an old lady who's a, a friend of mine who worked with me. His name was Aaron. His grandmother was actually on a board at a little church, a little United Church out of Virginia or something way up north. And uh, she said to Aaron, she said, I need someone to preach because our preacher is sick. And do you know anybody? So he, con he came to me and he said, I want you to go to, he said, my grandmother wants to meet you. She wants you to come preach at her church. She's on the board. And everything in me was like, I don't really want to go. I don't want to go up there and preach. And, and then I talked to her and she says, you got to read this lethargy and you got to wear like a robe, like, you know, the priests wear a robe, a costume. To me, costumes are for superheroes. But I said, okay. So... <laughs> you got to have superpowers to wear a costume. But anyway, no, it's fine. So I went. Did I wear the I can't remember, Camilla. Did I wear it when I went? I think I wore it. Anyway, so I wore it, and I felt like a priest, right? And I had my sheet, and I talked to the congregation. And I had to do a lethargy. Like, I would read something, and then they would answer, and then I would read something. And I was like, can I have 10 minutes to just preach? And she said, yes. So then I preached. Uh, but uh, that was like two years before I came here. So I, that one appointment with this lady, and then we came. You know, that was it. It was over. And then we moved here. And I couldn't, I couldn't get a mortgage with anybody. And so I talked to my friend Aaron, and he said, hey, why don't you call my grandmother? Why would I call her? She's a millionaire. Really, why? Well, she runs a business called Brooklyn Enterprises, and she does mortgages. And she really likes you. She talks about you all the time. All right, so I call her up. I'm like, hey, Shirley, could you uh, consider doing a mortgage? She goes, how much do you need? I said, this much. She goes, done. Really? You don't even have to see it? No, I trust you. So I got, we got a mortgage for our duplex. 
we stayed for two years, and we, she, she, she advised it. She's a great advisor, this old lady. We had one side rented out, was paying our rent on the other side, so we were mortgage-free, so I could afford to work for $13 an hour for a church. And my wife was home taking care of the kids. But then when God called us to Kingston, uh, you know, I called her back again. And I said, we're, we're moving. We're going to sell our house because I don't have a down payment. I'm going to buy another house in Kingston. She says, Sonny, she goes, keep the rental and get a new house. I said, I don't have a down payment. She goes, don't worry. I trust you. Here's what you need. So I picked a house. She gave me a mortgage. We moved into our, so now we have two places rented out. They're paying our mortgage in Kingston. And then, after two years of being there in that house, the Lord called me to start a business, but I had no garages to, to store all my equipment, and I'm, I'm starting a window business. So I call her again, and, and I said, listen, I said, I, I'm moving. I'm going to sell all my, prop, my three homes. I'm going to get a fourth home. She says, no, no, Sonny, keep all your houses, and I'm going to lend you the money for the next house. And I was like, uh, I don't have a down payment. Don't worry about it. I trust you. You're a man of God, and God will provide. And so then I was in a place, so we ended up selling one house, so we had four properties. I was still only working 30 hours a week and making $14 an hour. And when I was preaching at church, people were accusing me of stealing money from the church because they couldn't figure out how I had all these properties. But you see, if, if I would have said, no, Lord, I don't want to meet with that old lady and i got better things to do than go to the United Church on my weekend off, how many know I would have missed the opportunity that God was providing for my breakthrough. Amen? And as I tell that story, I know there's some of you that are thinking the same. You're thinking, oh, yeah, I remember I, I met this person, and because I met that person, I met my spouse. Or I met this person, that's how I got that job. And it's all about connecting. See, God's into networking people one with another to bring us together to fulfill his destiny. Isn't that good news? And I remember one time I was really frustrated. I was living in Kingston. I was scratching my head, and I was really frustrated and down on myself. And I said, God, I want to know what your will is for my life. You know, what do you want to do with me? And, you know, I was just crying because I just felt like I wasn't going anywhere. And, and the Lord spoke. He said, go to Tim Hortons and get a coffee. I'm like, Are you kidding me? Why would I just go to Tim Hortons? And I just felt that in my spirit. So, so I'm walking off to Tim Hortons. And it, I'm walking there, and the Lord speaks and goes, no, go to the far Tim Hortons. Like, why would I want to do that? And I just felt, okay, maybe he wants me to pray more. So, so I'm walking this way. And I get to this Tim Hortons that's 20 minutes away by walking. I'm standing in line, and I get someone taps me on the shoulder. Pastor, pastor. I turn around. There's this guy I led to the Lord 10 years ago. And he said, I've been looking for you for seven years. He goes, I got into drugs and addiction. And, and he goes, I want to give my heart back to Christ, but I don't know how. Can you help me? I said, let's grab a coffee. And we sat on the, on the lawn there, and I witnessed and ministered to him and prayed for him. How many know that there was an appointment that God had with me to meet with a certain person? Right? So when we're thinking about what's, the, what's God's will from our life, we think of a destination when we should be thinking of people. Who does God want me to connect with? Who am I supposed to connect with? Because God works through the networking of people. Does that make sense? And I know we all could have our stories and examples, right? The key of working on purpose that brings spiritual maturity is, um, you know, there's, there's this assimilation of information, but then, then, then we have to take that and we need to work it out by connecting with people 
In Proverbs 13, verse 4, look at this. Lazy people want much but get little. But those who work hard will prosper. Proverbs 22, verse 29. Do you see a man who excels in his work? He will stand before kings. He will not stand before unknown men. Proverbs 13, 4. The soul of a lazy man desires and has nothing, but the soul of the diligent shall be made rich. And, and, and I don't know about you, but, you know, I, I want to be rich in soul. I want to be excited about life. And there's something about assimilating and then going and doing something. I mean, how many sermons do we have to listen to? How many, you know, places do we have to visit for another impartation? Let's just take something and let's do something with it. Amen? It brings refreshing. It brings life. And it brings fulfillment. John chapter 4, as we're closing, verse 34 to 38. Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Do not say there's still four months and then comes the harvest. Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes, look at the fields, for they're already white with harvest. And he who reaps receives wages and gathers fruit to eternal life, that both he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. For in this the saying is true, one sows, another reaps. I send you to reap that for which you have not labored. Others have labored and you have entered into their labors. Okay? And here's, here's my application for this message. Maybe it's time for you to connect with someone new. Maybe it's time, you know, that person you're working with and that you've, you've been feeling, maybe I should talk to that person in the lunchroom that you've been avoiding. Maybe God wants you to connect with that person. Maybe God wants you to do something new, connect with someone new, go to a connect group, open a connect group, sign up, at, you know, to stand and take donations. Life is a series of connections, and we have to be obedient to God in order to connect with the next part of his plan. Amen? Maybe we should be asking the Lord, who's our next appointment? Amen? And secondly, knowing that spiritual food is tied to doing, not just receiving, we need to involve, be involved in serving in the kingdom. You know, early 2019, and this was before COVID, um, got together with the elders, and our plan was to have shorter services. And I think a lot of people misunderstood. Like, we went to two services, and then we said we're going to do one hour each, maybe an hour and ten minutes. We're going to do shorter services. It's not just to be more welcoming for people who are unchurched, but it was also to give people an opportunity to come and to receive in one service and to serve in the second one. Because part of spiritual nourishment as Jesus was saying, it's not just receiving, but it's giving. I mean, you can listen to, to, to conferences and you can listen to messages and all that uh, until you're blue in the face, but if you're not doing anything with it, you're not going to feel content. You're not going to feel energized. And so we wanted to see at least once a month that people would say, I'm going to attend one service and then I'll stand in the parking lot and maybe God will connect me with someone who's part of my future. Amen? I'll serve in the sound booth. I'll I have a musical gift. I'll talk to David, maybe get on the worship team, or I'll go help in the nursery. I can give one hour, one Sunday a month, and then the rest of the month I'll come and just receive. But there has to be an avenue of connecting and getting involved, uh, going to connect group, connecting with people because God's purposes are connected to people. Amen? Where can I get involved? 
There's kids ministry. There's first impressions. There's outreach ministry. You can sign up and stand, talk to people, take donations, connect with people. Connections are so important. You know, in all of these donation stations, we're, we're actually set up right now at Metro. Um, where are we set up again? Walmart, Freshco, Independent, and now Canadian Tire. And nobody wanted to let a church come in and do their thing. And I just called our mayor and I said, can you write a letter? So he wrote a nice letter saying, we are behind city council. We are totally behind at the Crossroads Church. And the last place to just open the door said, we, we would never do this, but the mayor has said, you, you guys are awesome, and so we're opening our doors. See, it's not what you know, it's who you know. Are you going to miss the connection points? Or are you going to connect with the people that God is putting in front of you? Isn't that good? And so we want to connect with the people that God wants us to connect with. Why don't we stand together? I want you to see, you know, this picture in your mind of a big fishing net, right? And every single one of us is kind of like one link in that net. And, you know, people have come to me and said, Pastor, you know, your church is, we really love your kids' ministry. It's so awesome. And I'd say, you know what, I'm, that's great. But, you know, God connected me with a wonderful woman and her husband, uh, Christine and Steve. And Christine serves upstairs, and she does it all. Like, she, she, that's her passion. That's her purpose. And, and she's connected. So I can't take credit for that, you know. Oh, your church is so friendly. People meet me at the door. I can't take credit for that. It's the people that serve at the doors. Every one of us has a purpose in the kingdom. I love your worship. Well, I can't take credit for that. We've got great worship leader and great people who worship God, and they're up here. And how many know all of us create a little link in that net, and when we're all tied together, guess what happens? The fish can't come through, and we catch the fish. But what happens if one of those links is missing? You're going to lose some of the harvest, Right? So you're important. And I say all this because in, net, in two weeks, we're launching uh, a Thursday night service again. And I sat down with our, volunteer, our, our staff. We're like, we don't have anyone to help us with the kids. We don't have people to help us with the doors. But we need to launch it because right now we're at capacity in both services, right, because it's harvest time. And, and we need to launch a third service. Let's give the Lord a hand. Okay? So... Melanie's going to be sending out an email this week just saying, hey, is there any way you can come and serve for an hour on Thursday night? Or could you serve in a second service? And you need to go before the Lord and say, Lord, where can I serve? And, and we'll take you and we'll work together because we're all part of the harvest. Amen? And we'll make this happen. And we might have to have four services and five services and six services. But you know what? Pastor Travis can't do it alone. We're going to do it together as a team. We're going to win the harvest. Amen? Isn't God good? So, Father, I thank you for your word today. Father, I thank you that you've called us all to be a piece of the puzzle. And we take all our pieces together and we put them on the floor and we assemble them. It takes some time and it takes some effort. But there's a beautiful picture of the body of Christ. And we're all part of that. So, Lord, help us to identify that piece that we are. And we want to serve you with that peace in Jesus' name. Give us a, a, appointments this week. As we leave this, the church is just a training ground. As we leave here, let us find 
Samaritan women. Let us find people that are broken. Let us find them in their hiding place and share the gospel with them. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Well, God bless you as you go. And don't forget, we're still registering over here for the donation stations if you want to get involved. Thank you for listening. We hope that you enjoyed our message. If you are in the Quinty West area, we would love to have you visit us on Sunday morning at 24 Dundas Street West, Trenton, Ontario. Check out our service times on our website at atthecrossroads.ca.